Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Joining us now is Kenny Ducey of The Game Day. Make sure to follow him on Twitter, at Kenny Ducey. All right, Kenny, so we've got a couple of NBA games tonight. Celtics at the Sixers. Boston is a two-and-a-half-point favorite, total 212-and-a-half. Side or total, anything stand out to you? Well, it's great to talk to you again, Ed. Uh, yeah, I think that this is going to be a cracking affair here. I Look, the, the Sixers, if there's one thing that we know about the Philadelphia 76ers over the course of really the last three seasons, it's that they are very, very good at home. And that's when, one of the things that's really scary about this matchup for Boston. Uh, I think they have struggled inside, especially against the Sixers team, to, to rebound, to command uh, something there. Um, but, you know, look, I think that the books, the odds makers, they clearly believe in the Celtics a little bit more than most people uh, at this point. So I think there's something to be said there. But look, I mean, at the end of the day, I've won a lot of money betting on the Philadelphia 76ers at home. I believe in their depth. I believe in their shooting ability. I think that they have pretty much everything that I like to see in a team. Uh, at, and and at, at, as home underdogs, I should say, five and two against the spread in the playoffs to this point. Uh, so, or excuse me, through the season to this point. So they have rarely been underdogs at home. That's how good they've been at home. Um, I don't, I don't know if they win this game, but I, I feel pretty good about taking the two and a half points given the history there with Philly and, and given the fact that they've, they've been able to out rebound, uh, the, the Boston Celtics, they've been out, they're able to do a better job on the glass than we would have expected. Kenny, let's uh, stay in the Eastern conference and talk about what we saw last night between the Knicks and the heat. And, uh, it, it feels like watching that game, one of the bigger developments is, you know, maybe the door is cracked here for the Knicks to possibly win three consecutive games because it doesn't look like playoff Jimmy is there. Uh, you know, these extra off days go away now. It doesn't look like um, he's at that level right now. And if we don't see that guy over the next couple of games, do you think there's an opening for the Knicks? I think there's been an opening for the Knicks. And I think the strange thing about this series has been the fact that for the entire season, right, the New York Knicks were the second-best rebounding team in basketball. Uh, they were the second-best rebounding team in basketball for the second half of the season. In the playoffs, they out they had a 50% rebounding rate in all but one of their games against the Cavs. In the first two games of this series, uh, they, they were out-rebounding the Heat decisively. 58% of all boards available they grabbed in game two. Then all of a sudden, like, they just decided just not to rebound anymore. Mitchell Robinson got in foul trouble. Julius Randle wasn't doing a good enough job down there, uh, nor was R.J. Barrett and Josh Hart. And th this was just a complete reversal of everything that we've seen. We've seen the Knicks shoot the ball well this year. We've seen the Knicks play good offense, but the most important thing for this team has been rebounding. So I was not surprised that they came back out with their backs against the wall and actually put together a good performance on the glass because, I and mean, by the way, I will never shut up about rebounding because as we see in a lot of these series, and especially mm -hmm. in this Knicks heat series, the Knicks were getting cooked on the glass in the last two games. It is a mm -hmm. huge, huge issue if you're not going to be able to rebound at least at a 50% rate. So anyway, long story short, I think this is more of what we've seen from the Knicks all season long. And they shot 38% from three, which was their second best mark of the playoffs. It, it also uh, a complete reversal of the fact they, were the, they have the, been the worst three-point shooting team in the NBA playoffs so far. So, look, I mean, it, could it swing this way for the Knicks? Absolutely. They could absolutely do this again three more times because I think that this is their – this is not even their A game. This is probably their B game. So, if they just – I don't know, maybe it's on Tom Thibodeau. I don't know the reason for why they were so lackadaisical in games three and games four, but they have the weapons to absolutely win this series. 
Yeah, that was going to be my follow-up question because the big story about the Knicks before last night's game was just they're so hard to watch offensively. I have some Knicks future, so don't get me wrong. I, I hope they do win. But do you think that this is sustainable? Like, have they figured something out? Do you think that they've got something here, or do they need something like a Jimmy Butler injury to win this series? Uh, no, I, I don't think that they do. In fact, I think what they need on their own side of things is for Manuel quickly to get healthy. But we saw Quentin Grimes return in this series, and I think last night he finally was able to play a lot of minutes, was able to play a lot of meaningful minutes. They've been sort of trying to ease him back into action. And you see what he does for the offense. Just the spacing is so real because, it, look, these Miami Heat defense uh, the defenders, none of these defenders in the playoffs are going to respect R.J. Barrett's three-point shot. Uh, Josh Hart hasn't been an amazing three-point shooter. There has not been a ton of shooting for the New York Knicks. That's been why they've been at the bottom, uh, at under 30% for the playoffs up until last night. And, you know, then you lose Emmanuel quickly, who's a very capable three-point shooter. When you didn't have Quentin Grimes playing, it was, no, it was no shocker to me that they weren't hitting threes. And so, yes, I think that with three-point shooters on the floor, especially with Quentin Grimes on the floor, it opens up. So much more for Jalen Brunson to get inside to score at the basket, for R.J. Barrett to score at the basket. This is what you saw all night long. It opened up the interior, and the Knicks do have a ton of guys that can score around the rim. That's really where they made their mark this season. So, yes, Tris, I do think that this is an absolutely sustainable uh, thing for the New York Knicks. Uh, I don't know if they're going to shoot 38% or better in all of their games, but they can certainly rebound. And they're certainly going to have more space inside the score with Quentin Grimes on the floor. And if Emmanuel Clifton makes it back as well, that's just extra added defense in the backcourt to guard some of these guys that can shoot the ball on Miami, like Duncan Robinson and Kyle Lowry. It's fascinating when you look at series prices in the Eastern Conference that the Celtics are plus 150 to go on and win that series despite trailing three games to two. The Knicks are plus 350. So you've got plus 150 on the one hand, plus 350 on the other hand. Why do you just suppose that, say, the markets and maybe the NBA at large is still pearl-clutching their priors that the Celtics are way better than just about anybody else in the conference? Well, I think what we've seen throughout the regular season, and it's, it's a similar situation to this Knicks series, right, is like, well, look, the Celtics are playing uncharacteristic basketball. Their defensive rating in the last two games, 120 points per 100 possessions or worse. So you think, okay, well, we know that this defense is better than that, right? We know that they can rebound the ball, and they were absolutely cooked on the glass. They, scored, they grabbed just 44% of the rebounds in the last game against Philly. So I think it's a similar situation where you know – that the, the Celtics are a better team than what they've showed, and, and you know that they have playoff experience. But it's very similar to what we saw with the Heat and the Bucks, right, in, in the first-round series. Like, that, was, that series was a pick I think, actually, Miami might have been a minus-130 favorite to win the series going into Game 5, up 3-1. So I don't think – I think this sort of follows in line with what we've seen price-wise for a lot of these series. And, I, I mean, look, I, I would have to agree. Like, I do think that – you know, if they go back to the Boston for a game seven, I think that the series could be over. And I also think what we saw, uh, you know, what we see tonight with the, with the Boston Celtics being the favorites, that makes sense that the price would reflect some skepticism here that the Sixers can get this done. Just because, like I said, if the, if the odds makers believe that the Celtics going to win tonight, which they do based on the odds, then yes, I mm -hmm. think they would definitely think they're going to win given the series, the spreads that we've seen in Boston, seven, eight point favorites. Uh, so I, I think that the, the price is right in line with that. And I think if you wanted to maybe try to try to get cute and play the Celtics here and then take the Sixers on the other side of the coin in game seven, that might be a nice, a nice move.
Kenny, the late game tonight, Suns, three-and-a-half-point home favorites against the Nuggets in game six, uh, trying to extend their season. Uh, how do you handicap this one? I, look, I mean, it's the same thing with, with every single game in this series. I don't think that the Phoenix Suns are as good as the Denver Nuggets. I think the Denver Nuggets are the best team remaining in the playoffs. I think the Denver Nuggets are going to win the finals. I think this offense is uh, – they have the highest ceiling of any team offensively, which is, uh, which is pretty scary because – We've seen a lot of these teams, like the Boston Celtics, like the 76ers, they've had some good offensive nights, but I don't know if anyone can get to the level right now that Denver can. And their defense has actually looked pretty competent in this series, at least in a few games anyway. Uh, obviously, when they went to Phoenix and, and ended up losing uh, game, four, or game four, rather, that was not a very good showing on defense whatsoever. But uh, if you take that away... Like, this has been a competent defense, and I think that was the biggest issue for Denver during the regular season and the biggest concern for people coming into the postseason was can Denver play defense? Uh, allowing 103 points for 100 possessions to, the, to Phoenix was, uh, was definitely a strong performance. I think the, the common denominator here is that they've played excellently in Denver on defense anyway. On the road, it's been a little bit tougher. So, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly could see Phoenix coming back out with a, you know, with a force here and forcing a game seven, given what we've seen on defense from Denver um, in Phoenix. But I would also point out that the best, the most efficient offensive night for Denver in these playoffs did come in Phoenix in game four in that loss. So I, I don't think it's necessarily going to preclude them from putting up incredible numbers on that end. I, guys, I think this team is, is very close to – uh, they remind me of the peak warriors, just the fact that they have everybody on the floor can shoot the basketball. They have a million ways to beat you. And when it gets down to crunch time, they just play the two-man game with Murray and Jokic, and, and they can score almost every possession. It is scary playing these guys when you're not playing your A defense. And I don't think the Phoenix Suns have really played very well on defense at all in this entire series. So I, I think this is a, a game where I'm going to take the Nuggets on the money line. I've taken the Nuggets on the money line every single game. And I took the money, the Nuggets to win the series. I think they're going to win the series. Think of the better team. And I think that, that irons out to they're going to win four games uh, before the Phoenix Suns can. And I think it could absolutely happen right here. Man, Kenny speaking my love language with all this Nuggets talk. Cannot wait. I'm all fired up now. All right, let's look at the other Western series. We've got Golden State and the Lakers AD um, with a bit of a scare last night, but it sounds like he does not have a concussion and will probably play Friday night as this series shifts back to L.A. where the Lakers have not lost yet. What do you like in this matchup Friday night between the Warriors and the Lakers? Yeah, well, I think you mentioned it. It's, it's been another series where the, where we've gone has really dictated how this team plays. And one thing we do know about the Golden State Warriors is that they are absolutely atrocious away from home. Uh, that really hasn't changed all that much in the playoffs. And so I, I think with that, it's, it's definitely a smart decision to take a look at the Los Angeles Lakers here. Um, the, 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 look, the Golden State Warriors have been in, uh, undersized inside for really the last three or four years. It, they, uh, they've done a good job of rebounding. They've done a good job of defending inside and making up for their lack of size. And Kevon Looney has been uh, an excellent piece for them. But at the, the, the bottom line here is that is definitely still a weakness. And Anthony Davis, these are Anthony Davis's playoffs as far as I'm concerned. He's done an excellent job down there. And look, I think the scary part uh, for the Golden State Warriors is that they've actually been able to win the rebounding battle a little bit and still not come up with it like they won they out rebounded Los Angeles uh, a couple of games ago and still managed to lose that game 
So I'm not sure that they really have any weapons inside to compete with these big bodies with the Los Angeles Lakers. And on the other side of the coin, if the Lakers are going to start shooting like they've been shooting, 40% from three, uh, you know, like all around, all around uh, the, the world, really, in the end of the season, they were playing incredibly well on offense and shooting the three very well in these playoffs as well, 37%. Uh, in that game five loss. So I think that this is a, a team that's really peaking at the right time. I think that they have excellent bodies inside to compete with Golden State. And uh, I, like given the fact that Golden State on the road this year was just so bad as a road underdog, six and 17 against the spread, 13 and 33 against the spread on the road in general, I think it'd be a very, very smart decision to lay the points here with the Lakers uh, as, as sad as it is to say, and I know everyone's, everyone wants to see these 3-0 leads, these 3-1 leads get blown. It could happen with the Knicks and the Heat because I think the Knicks might be a better team, might be as good. I think the Lakers have proven in these playoffs, guys, that they are a better team than the Golden State Warriors, and I think they could be almost, probably better than the Phoenix Suns, maybe as good as, as the Denver Nuggets. But I think they're a clear number two in the West, so I think there's, I have no problems here laying the two and a half at home. One of the things that's impressed me the most as far as the Lakers are concerned is Darvin Ham actually can coach basketball quite well, especially considering <laughs> uh, what he's able to, to do in terms of uh, late game situations. You know, watch game four carefully, watch the tape over and over again, see how Anthony Davis was guarding uh, Steph Curry, and you will see that Darvin Ham knows how to make key adjustments. I wonder as he grows – and as Anthony Davis continues to be a real force on the floor, if the Lakers do have a chance to knock off the Nuggets or the Suns in the Western Conference Finals. I, I wonder it too. And I mean, look, I think, as I said earlier about the Denver Nuggets, we know what they bring to the table. We know that they have the most explosive offense in the playoffs right now. And so I think when you talk about the Lakers, uh, I, I think you could certainly make the argument that this is the best defensive team remaining as well. Um, you know, no offense to the Miami Heat, no offense to the Boston Celtics, but I think when you look at the numbers, when you look at the performances here in the playoffs, the, you know, the, the Los Angeles Lakers have gotten it done on defense, and they got it done on defense all season long. So I, I completely agree with you. I think that they absolutely could put a scare into the Denver Nuggets. We saw what happens, uh, you know, in that game four against Denver uh, with Phoenix coming out a little more inspired um, and, and really scoring the basketball and just, you know, punching it down their throat. But I agree with you. I think Darvin Ham's been, you know, he's used his challenges effectively. He's ridden the hot hand, you know, going with D'Angelo Russell uh, pretty heavily in the fourth quarter when it warrants, uh, you know, seven points last night in that fourth quarter for D'Angelo Russell was, was big, even though they ended up losing that game. Um, so, look, I, I think that he's managed this rotation pretty well, and he's been able to get some pretty good performances uh, from unexpected sources. And obviously the, the key there, as you mentioned, game four was Lonnie Walker with his 15 points. But um, I, think he, I think he's managed to, to find, you know, the right combinations at the right times. And I think he definitely needs to get credit for that. Uh, Kenny, final minute with you. Did want to squeeze in a quick baseball question. We're about at the quarter pole already of the season. Uh, what do you think? Yankees and Mets both miss the playoffs or what? Yeah, I, I, I don't really like this Yankees roster that much. I didn't like it coming into the season because I thought they needed to improve a few parts, and I think they needed a left fielder really badly. I think the cool thing for them is now Harrison Bader's back, and I think that shores up one of the spots when they get healthy again. Like Stanton will be back, obviously. Judge just came back. I, I think the biggest question, like it is with every single baseball team, is can you stay healthy? Um, the Yankees don't have a lot of guys that do that. So I, I think with that, I'm not that confident that they're going to be a 90-win team this year or even a playoff team. But 
I do know that they will go on a run. You know, Carlos Rodon and Luis Severino look like they may be back within the next month. I know there's been some scary updates with Rodon, but, um, you know, look, I'm not saying they need need to be 100% healthy. They won't be 100% healthy. But just just to get, like, two of these guys back, Nestor Cortez also hasn't started the season well. There's there's a lot that, like there's a high ceiling for this team a much higher ceiling this is probably at the lowest end of the spectrum with how they could perform right now but uh, I think once they get some guys back from injury not only will they help they'll also kick guys like Oswaldo Cabrera to the curb guys who just can't hit the baseball to save their lives so I, I think that'll help. Kenny Ducey of the Game Day, great to talk to you. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. And this is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we have NFL spreads. And we're going to talk about our favorites right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network.